C'est Darian Mercredi. You're welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Hello, gorgeous friend. I want to start by reading you something that Miss Driana left as a review for the podcast. I thought was so beautiful. She said, I started my journey with Hillary through her style class. It was so valuable for my self-esteem at the time, but really my whole life. The practice of truly pinpointing and understanding why you like or dislike something and why you wear what you wear was so profound that it spilled into every part of my life. This podcast is the continuation of those teachings for me. And like the style course, each episode is so enlightening. She went on to write a bunch more sweet things, but she ended it by saying, The way she approaches style is so grounding and therapeutic. I've been listening since episode one, and I'm happy to still be on board, Brianna. Thank you so much for leaving that sweet review. Truly, every single one of you that writes something, I just can't tell you how much it blesses me and how much I appreciate you taking a moment of your time to do so. And I wanted to share that one because today we're going to talk about style and beauty based off of a question that one of you submitted. And right now, my style class, Style and Styleability, is not open for enrollment while I'm working working on writing my style book, which this week we just sent my proposal off to publishers, my literary agents, and I. So if you've been following along on Instagram with that journey, I am very excited for the next step in this process. It takes a long time behind the scenes to write a book, and I'm so grateful to be moving on to that next step. But in the meantime, while the style course is not open for enrollment, I will link in the description here a workshop that you can take advantage of where you can get some extra teaching if after today that is more of what you were craving. I want to help as much as I can, so you will find that in the description below. So today's episode comes from a DM that I got from the lovely Holly, who asked, how do you regularly have clothing in your closet you feel good about without constantly shopping or thinking about clothes? I love fashion, so I tend to consume content about it regularly, but on top of that, I just feel like I'm constantly shopping, but rarely feel super excited about what I have to put on my body in the morning. I've tried a capsule collection, tried buying better quality and fewer items. I've tried buying cheaper stuff. I just feel like in order to have clothes I feel good about, I have to constantly be buying, shopping, returning. And I don't want it to be on my mind all the time, even though I naturally lean towards it a lot because I like it. Is this even a question? (laughs) Haha, I don't know. Um, Basically, how to like fashion without over-consuming. And there's sometimes when y'all send me a DM on something and I just realize this is such a good question. It's such a deep question. We got to come over and talk about this on the podcast because my trying to sum it up in a couple of paragraphs with my two thumbs is not going to be adequate and sufficient to really, truly help you. And if this is the question Holly has, I think it's one that so many of us have and we can really relate to. So how to be more satisfied without the endless shopping. There's a lot of different angles we could come at this from. And if I was sitting down with each one of you personally, there might be different initial routes or different paths in that you might say, well, I think for me, it's kind of this and it's kind of that. But I think there are some core things that apply to all of us. And my main approach is to start by saying the external can't fulfill the internal and as powerful 
as the external is, how we feel when we look in the mirror. I believe in the power of clothes. I believe in the celebration of beauty. But ultimately, we use the external to spark for us an internal feeling. We're seeking a feeling, whether that is peace or joy or confidence or pride. Ask yourself, what is the feeling that you are seeking? When you put on an outfit and you feel amazing about yourself, how does it feel? When you look in the mirror and you don't feel great, what is the, uh, what, how do you feel? What is the opposite of that feeling? What is it that you are desiring? So I think that the most powerful place we can start is with the wand. If you are unfamiliar with the episode of the podcast on the wand, I will link it in the description below. Continue listening today. And then as your next step, go and listen to that. The wand is a very powerful practice that truly is simply the tenets of cognitive behavioral therapy. It's a five-step process in which we are able to acknowledge that our thoughts and our feelings are at the root of so many of the actions or reactions that we have in life. So with the wand, we first start with our circumstance, our situation. That's a factual thing that is happening that is neutral. It doesn't have a opinion or a statement. So what you might put for your circumstance or your situation is my closet. That's what we're, that's what we're here to sit down and journal or process through today is my closet or getting dressed, not how hard it is to get dressed or the fact that I hate my closet because that's putting in a perception. The fact that we hate our closet, the closet in and of itself and getting dressed in and of itself is a neutral act. A white t-shirt and a pair of jeans doesn't have inherently any story or feeling behind it until you add your personal thought. And every one of us could put on a white t-shirt and jeans. We could also put on a wide variety of t-shirts and jeans and have different thoughts, or we could have different thoughts on different days. We could put those on and, and my clothes, the neutral statement of my clothes, this white t-shirt and jeans, I could put them on my body and my thought could be, oh my gosh, I've gained weight. These jeans are tight. Or it could be, oh my gosh, I don't like wearing hard pants anymore <laughs> after COVID. Or it could be, these make my butt look great. It could be, I love that I don't have to get dressed up for the office. It could be, I love weekend attire. Maybe for you, Saturday, you know, Saturdays is when you wear those jeans. There's a gazillion things that we could have a thought about, but the actual clothes are neutral. And I think that that is a really powerful reframe because we have put so much feeling into what these clothes mean, what they represent. And all of that is true and good. It doesn't mean that that we should stop doing that, but we want to be able to separate and realize on face value, this is a physical item that is no different than a coffee, coffee cup or a paperclip. And again, I might have the sweetest feeling around this coffee cup because, you know, it, it says greatest aunt in the world that has photos of my niece and nephew. I might have weird feelings around this coffee cup because my ex gave it to me and then he moved out. Um, I might have completely neutral feelings. It's just a, a, a plain white coffee cup. Yeah, I, li- I like white. Nah, I don't really like white. I have no feelings about white. So 
When we think about the fact that clothes are neutral, we then want to notice what is the thought that comes up for me when I go to put on clothes, when I go to buy clothes, when I think about buying clothes, when I put on what I already own, when I look at what I already own. Is it, I don't like what I have? Um, Is it, I don't have enough? And from those thoughts, can we then go to how does that thought make me feel? Or what is the root of that thought? So if my thought is, I don't like what I have, which I'll be honest, as a stylist, I think this often. I look at my closet and I'm like, I don't really like anything in here. One antidote to that is to be gratitude. I'm going to be grateful for what I have. I'm going to notice that thought and go, why do I not like this? Is it because I have a, I am addicted to the dopamine hit that I get from buying something new? And so once that dopamine hit wears off, now I'm not as satiated by that. If that's true, how do I feel about that? Just because we notice a thought doesn't mean the thought is bad. And I think that's another really key component here. When it comes to our body and our beauty, we have so many negative thoughts. And then we shame ourselves for the thoughts we have. Either, I, I wish I, w- I weighed 10 pounds less. Now, you might shame yourself for being like, well, it's your fault that you don't weigh 10 pounds less. You could do more to get that off. Or you might feel ashamed. I don't want to keep giving in, into this diet culture that makes me wish that I weighed 10 pounds less. I, I don't want that to be my thought. So I think in the midst of all those negative thoughts, it's really helpful to say, I forgive myself for any negative thought that I have. I'm not here to judge my negative thoughts. I just want to notice them and be curious about them. If I don't like what I have, why is that? And is that because, I mean, there can be a lot of different stories that come up. I don't like what I have because I have a story in my mind that says I don't make a lot of money. And therefore, nothing that I buy is that nice of quality. And because I don't dress better at work, I feel like I'm not, subconsciously, I feel like people don't respect me and see me as someone who's going to be brought up to a vice president because Sheila at work, she dresses so lovely. I mean, you see where we can go down this whole story of what it means for you in particular that I don't like what I have is tied to money, it's tied to success, and those may or may not be true. Then, then, then the next question would be, can I know for sure that other people are judging me for this? Is there a chance that this is really heightened in my head and that other people are not caring that much about what I look like or think that my clothes look just fine. Maybe I'm the one who has Sheila up on a pedestal. So there's so much here that we could unravel. And to me, this is what is so beautiful about the lifelong conversation of exploring our beauty. Because if I could make it very prescriptive and say, here's the exact 10 steps that every woman needs, we could very easily go through those. And I would probably be bored of the topic after a couple of years of teaching it. And we all would have learned it. And I could move on and do something else with my life. But I think the reality is that these stories for us are so complex because there's so many different components that, that apply to it. And when we use 
the wand, we can come at it from so many different angles that likely you're not going to sit down in one setting of doing the wand exercise and go, oh, got it, figured it out. Now I know what my story is. I have that experience with the wand when I'm dealing with something niche. When I'm like, why am I struggling to make a decision about this specific thing in my business or my personal life? And I can go, you know what? I realized what it was. I got it. Like I had the aha and now I can go forth and make that decision today and come tomorrow. I'm not going to have to address it again. The, the situation was handled. There's those things in life. The, the conversations I'm the most interested in are the ones where you could do this wand dozens of times throughout the year and you could do it in three years and three years and three years. And it's probably still going to continue to be there our beauty, our busyness, our productivity, enoughness, shame, confidence, peace, love, friendships, these big things in life, I think we're going to keep asking them for decades to come. And therefore, they're fascinating to me to keep diving into. So as you sit down to do this, I think, Holly, when you ask the question, you're thinking, is there something obvious I'm not thinking of? And my response would be no. Actually, there is so much happening in your head and heart that I love that you're asking the question. And I think it's about asking a lot more questions that initially, you'll notice up till this point in the podcast, have nothing to do with clothes. They have to do with our thoughts that lead to our feelings about them. So if you, whatever your thought is, we then say, that thought makes me feel unsatisfied, lacking, insecure, whatever it is. And therefore it leads to the action of I'm going to buy more. That there is a thought that leads to a feeling that is leading Holly to say, my action step is because I feel this, fill in the blank, I'm going to go buy more. And yet the result is that I end up feeling the same. She's saying, I keep buying more and I'm trying to I'm trying the capsule approach and I'm trying the buy less but better approach and I'm trying the fast fashion approach. I'm trying to take all these different actions and I'm ending up feeling the same, unsatisfied, feeling like it's always on my mind, buying more, wanting more, not having enough. And therefore, to me, the root is the thought, not the actual action of the clothes. And our thoughts, another reason why beauty to me is a topic I truly believe I'll be able to spend my life seeking answers on it and having dialogues on, is there are so many different thoughts that apply to our body and our beauty. First off, we have consumerism. We live in a very marketing-driven culture where the amount of advertisements that we receive, the the sneaky brilliance of the advertising that constantly makes us feel like we're lacking and we don't have enough. We really need to acknowledge that. There's incredible data that shows the effect that is had when uh, when an island nation, say, got television and suddenly got access to the Western world and to all of that media and all of those advertising, and all of those images, how eating disorders went up amongst girls. It's like our, we were so affected by how we viewed our bodies as, as human women once 
we suddenly had all of these other bodies of women that we were seeing. And then even just the general consumerism and how much more we spend because advertising is absolutely everywhere. So that's one whole thing we have to unpack. Also within there are all of the patriarchal messages that tell us we should be thinner and smaller and sexier and more feminine and more this and that. And so we have all of those messages that we don't even realize we're picking up through television, through media, through just everything that we're hearing in culture. There's comparison when we can visually see where we are body type or beauty wise or age wise or or affluence wise, the money that someone has to spend. We have all of our old stories about something that your mom told you when you were 15, a comment that a boyfriend made to you at 20, something that a passive aggressive that a colleague said to you at 25 and then went, oh, I was just kidding. I don't really feel like she was kidding. We have so many old stories that are building up for us around so many areas. Is that story for you around your beauty, like your physical beauty? Like you think you have a large nose or you think you have frizzy hair or flat hair. Is that around your body? You think that you have large legs. You think that you have a, a large derriere or a flat derriere. Is that around your taste? You don't think that you are, uh, that you have good taste. You have good style. Is that around your money? You didn't grow up around money or you did grow up around money. Is it around your modesty? Did you grow up in a, a, a Muslim or a Christian or a Jewish culture or just a conservative culture that told you you should Make sure to hide your body. It, it, it is making men lust after you. The fact that your chest developed at a young age, or I mean, there are, oh my gosh, friend, it goes on and on the different stories that we have. And we all have so many of them. Is it your, your body image is a huge part of it. Holly didn't mention anything having to do with that, but for a lot of women, that's what it is, is the constant pull of, I'm not really satisfied in my body. So could I just find a a little bit better clothes, a little bit more flattering, and then it would make up for the fact that I'm really trying to use clothes to compensate for the fact that I don't have that neutral piece in my body. You know, something that I teach and I'm passionate about is that we focus more on beauty positivity rather than body positivity. I think it'd be amazing if we all had body positivity. It just feels like a lofty goal you know, kind of like waiting for the patriarchy to fall. Like, that's great. But in the meantime, is there anything that we can do? And I think that we get so many messages about our body that if we could just say, I'm I'm not trying to feel amazing about my body. I just want to feel a little more neutral about it. And I want to focus more on my beauty. What makes me feel beautiful? And maybe taking a bath makes me feel beautiful. Maybe being in the sunshine makes me feel beautiful. Maybe it's red lipstick. Maybe it's perfume. There's a lot of other things that are positive things we can embrace without necessarily having to restrict our calories or push our body harder and sort of say like, I'm going to punish my way to more happiness. Can I pleasure my way to more happiness instead? Um, There can be stories for you around uh, singleness or sex. You know, for me, I really acknowledge, and I hesitate to say this, but it is the truth. I am more peaceful in my beauty since maybe my husband. I very much acknowledge that when you're single, when I was single, I should say, 
there's a constant awareness that you might meet someone at any time. At the grocery store, at the coffee shop, on an airplane, running an errand, going to meet a friend for drinks, going to a party where you don't know who's going to be there. And I was much more aware of kind of looking my best. Now, for me personally, it's also important. I want my husband to think that I'm beautiful. And for me, that was in no way saying that I'm sort of like, you know, schlubby and schleppy all of a sudden. But I just feel much more confident with no makeup, without curled hair, in simple clothes. Um, and so for me, I have more peace in that area. And you might be listening to this newly single or newly divorced or We've been having an incredible conversation over on my Instagram stories around sex and pleasure, which is not a topic I thought I would ever speak on. But if you're listening to this live, I have some pinned Instagram stories right now called pleasure if you want to go check those out. But for a lot of women, there's a huge story around that. And as I indicated, have I been told that that I should feel ashamed that I have a sexy body or that I should feel ashamed that I don't have a sexy body, you know, that I have a small chest, whatever. It can be our stories around our body and our beauty can be, or rather our beauty and our clothing can be very tied to success and confidence. You know, is that confidence in your own voice and your own decisions? Like imagine a woman that really struggles to know what she wants in her career, in her life, to speak up for herself, it would make sense that she too might also feel like, I don't really know what my personal style is. I don't really know who I do want to be in the world. I'm struggling to figure out my career. I don't really know who I am after divorce. I feel very different since becoming a mom. So am I even just struggling to figure out clothes because it's my voice and I don't really even know who I am or, or what I want to be? Or is that our confidence in success in life? I'm feeling insecure that I, I'm not at a certain point in my business, in my career. I feel like I'm kind of stuck or other friends are further ahead. And therefore that carries over into feeling like, oh, do I feel less sophisticated than my friends? Do I feel you know more junior? Do I look like I don't have so much money? There are so many stories that can go into this. And my heart is not that that overwhelms you, but that that empowers you to realize, okay, number one, I, Holly, or whoever, I forgive myself for the fact that this is hard because it's complex. Because my head and my heart are complex. I live in a complex world and I get conflicting messages that sort of tell me it's silly to worry this much about clothes and yada, yada, yada. But actually, my beauty really matters. <laughs> And culture has told me a lot of conflicting stories about it. And the only education that I've gotten in culture is buy more things and that will give you joy. So I'm trying to do what the magazines are telling me. I'm trying to do what the makeover TV shows are telling me. And it's not working. So Holly's like, Hillary, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> How am I doing the action wrong? And I don't think it's the action. I think it's the thought and the feeling behind it. And I, Hillary, love that there's complexity to it because it actually honors this is a big and deep thing. If you're journaling just for months on end about like, you know, what color to paint your nails. Okay, we probably have an issue here. There's probably bigger things to focus on in life. There's some things that it's like, let's just make a decision. Do I want this bookcase? I don't know. Yes or no. Like, do I want to do this, this revenue stream? Would I like to go to coffee with a friend? Yes and no. 
Like there's some things where we want to say, let me just make a decision about this and move on. And then, as I said earlier, there's questions that are going to be, I'm going to keep asking this for a really long time. And I actually want to honor when it comes to how do I be mentally and emotionally and spiritually healthy? How do I love my neighbor? How do I make the world better? What is the meaning of life? How do I feel more beautiful? How do I not beat myself up for productivity in a hustle culture? These are big questions that for me are about, as we say so often on the podcast, how can I get one degree better or 10% better this year? How can I get one degree better this season in getting closer because I'm asking more questions? Even if I don't know the answers yet, I'm asking the question and therefore I'm, I'm seeking and I'm open to the, the universe giving me some solutions. So ultimately, my desire would be that as you go through the wand, I think the first goal is to say the action, I I want to play with thoughts and feelings that authentically get me to the action of I'm buying less and the result is I feel the same. Ideally, the result would be I feel even happier. I feel even better. I feel even more satiated. But I think the first goal is I want the result to be, I feel as happy or unhappy, whatever it was, as I did before with the action of buying less as opposed to the action of buying more. And I think we play with the thoughts and the feelings above that to figure out for each one of us, it's going to be different. The the questions we could ask ourselves, the thoughts that we could play with, the feelings that we want to feel that get us to that. And if we all ask the same question, Most of us would be like, yeah, that doesn't really make me want to lead to the action of the feeling doesn't naturally make me be like, I think I want to shop less. I might say, well, I feel like I should shop less, but that's not the same thing. It's really saying the action that authentically comes out of that feeling is, I think I'm just going to not buy anything for the next month and see how that feels. And also, so that's all of the internal part of this. But there also is the external component. And one of those is our habits and noticing our triggers. So what might also be coming up for Holly or for many of us is we simply are in a habit groove of buying more. We we pull out our credit card or debit card without thinking of it very much. We online shop when we're bored. We wander into stores when we're in a certain place. So it might even just be noticing, uh, am I in the habit of shopping? What, when, when do I shop? How am I feeling when I shop? What, what, what feeling trigger is happening there or what action trigger? I shop once I drop my kid off at daycare. I online shop on when I've had a hard day at work, when I'm feeling lonely, when I'm feeling bored. When do I turn to that desire to shop? And again, inherent, inherently, shopping is not bad. We, we should have, I want all of us to have beautiful clothes in our closet that make us feel beautiful when we put them on, that bring us joy. I think it is so important to dress joyfully. The goal here is not minimalism. The goal here isn't what's the least I can buy to eke the most out of it just to survive. But what Holly's bringing up is it feels like this is constant. And I just don't think I want to be a woman that thinks about shopping all the time. 
I just want to have a healthier relationship where I shop sometimes and it brings me joy, but I don't have to do it all the time. And I think we can all relate to that where we've had something in our life where we say, you know what? I'm okay with drinking. I just want to notice the thought when I say to myself, I really need a drink. Hmm. Just going to notice that word. Do I like saying that I need a drink? Now, like this, this is a real one for me, for example. I have no problem with drinking. I have no alcoholism in my family. I've literally been hungover twice in my life. I just don't drink to get drunk. Doesn't bring me joy. But I have drank most every night and it really brings me joy. And it's something that I've just noticed in myself that I want to play with my language that I don't need a drink because I, I'm so stressed. Or at least I just want to notice when I say it. I don't want to shame myself if I say it. I don't want to say I've got to remove it from my vocabulary, but I just notice it. Okay, that's just just interesting. How do I feel about it? I don't even have to have a feeling yet of how I feel about it. I can just notice. Yeah, sometimes I say like, oh, I need a drink. Or sometimes Jeremy will say, like, you know, do you need a drink? And there's other times when I'm like, Actually, it just makes me happy. It's golden hour in our apartment. I've winded down from work. I like candles. I pour myself a cocktail. I pull out a nonfiction book. And I just love this time of day. It can equally be a really delightful thing that isn't tied to my day was so hard. I'm so exhausted. And because I've punished myself over here, now I deserve this reward over there. So I think just noticing our thoughts and noticing the outside triggers of, for example, maybe you go pour a drink every day and you drink the whole thing without even noticing. And you're like, you know what? My trigger is as soon as I walk through the door, I pour a glass of wine and maybe I just want to start questioning that. Maybe I just want to be like, what if I started lighting a candle first? Would that be enough of a pattern interrupt to go, maybe I don't need a drink right away. Maybe if I delay the drink half an hour and I drink some sparkling water first, I end up having one drink that night instead of two. You know, it's just questioning those things that come up. So I think the external, maybe it's the internal thought, but also maybe it's the external rhythm of when do you shop? When do you feel drawn to shop? And then it also is the external in having more confidence in what we do buy. So is that perhaps you are unclear on your style? So you're, you're buying things because you're trying to trying to fill a hole, but you don't quite know what the hole is. And is that whole lack of confidence in your style or is that whole truly a gap in your wardrobe? So if it's wanting to get clear on your personal style, obviously I would love to have you in my style class when that enrolls, I would lo- it enrolls next. I would love to have you um, read my style book when that comes out, but I also want to help you in the meantime. So the best small action step that I could recommend is for you to start a virtual vision board where you start to gather images of what does my style look like? What am I drawn to? And you're kind of trying to decode whether that's on Pinterest or Instagram or in magazines, whatever works for you. I'm not really on Pinterest. So for me, it's on Instagram. It's just saving a folder whenever I see an image that I like. And then you could look at that when you go shopping and just kind of reflect back what am I going for? I have my students make a wish list where you're trying to get really specific. What am I just buying more stuff to buy more stuff? Or am I really saying like my thing right now is I want more soft pants. I want more non-jean, non-hard pants that are lightweight for spring. And I, I, the ones I have in my closet are a darker color. 
So it's about the softness. It's about the, the light fabric for spring. It's about the lighter color for spring. I really know where that hole is. I know where I'm going to wear that in my life. And so I don't just go to an online shop or a physical shop and just wander around looking for anything that makes me happy when what you then end up with sometimes is you're like, oh, I own 12 black and white striped shirts. I didn't really need another one of those. That was just a habit groove that my brain knows I love black and white striped shirts, hand raised high. And so now I have 12 of them. And that doesn't really do anything else in my wardrobe. I've just got more of the same. And of those, do I really wear all 12 or do I default to the newest ones? And then I just stop wearing the oldest nine. And if I really compared all of them, do they look that different? Are they all kind of you know, filling the same gap? So I also would recommend, and I will link below in the description here, is my ribbon and rep ribbon and record method. I broke this down on an Instagram, uh, an IGTV series, and you can go watch the first one there. It's a very simple way to organize your closet in under a minute for less than a dollar. And then over the coming weeks, you get more clarity on what you're actually wearing in your closet. Now to, to clear the clutter in your closet is a great bonus fringe benefit of this. But one of the things it really helps you do is identify what do I wear in my closet and why? Why All these things that I got drawn to wear first, because most of us wear 20% of our closet, 80% of the time, 20% of our closet, we are wearing 80% of the time. So what is it about that 20%? What can I learn from that? So I walk you through all of those steps in the IGTV series. So it might also be externally what is happening for you in terms of there's there is a question about my style that I am trying to answer there are holes in my wardrobe that I'm trying to fill but I just don't have clarity yet so I keep kind of missing the mark as I piece things together and it still kind of feels hodgepodge so Holly and all of us today I hope that that truly helps us forgive ourselves again when we struggle in this area and really honor that there's so many thoughts and feelings that are happening. Let us embrace and explore that. There are also triggers that are occurring, both internal thoughts and feelings that trigger us to action and also external circumstances, days of the week, times of day, et cetera, that we just want to start to notice and catch. And there also are external factors in an education around our style, understanding our wardrobe, understanding our lifestyle, so that when we do buy things, we really understand and have more confidence and clarity in the gaps that they fill and the purpose that they serve. As I said, ultimately, I love conversations about beauty because it touches on so many core complex things of consumerism, confidence, asking us to self-coach. It's countercultural to buy less. It's countercultural to not give into these patriarchal or Western ideals of beauty. It has to do with our freedom, that we are free to define beauty the way that we want to. We are free to dress our bodies the way that we want to. We feel free that we don't have to take an action all the time to buy more. We can feel a, a freedom that what we have right now is enough. We can feel a freedom that when we do feel a lack, we're empowered to know how to fill it, that 
the conversation we've had a few weeks ago, if you missed that series, the three-part series on enough is a huge part of this. Because what I really hear at the core from Holly is no matter how much I buy, it never feels like enough. How can I be more satisfied? How can I be more satiated that I, that what I have is enough or, or what I will add bit by bit to my life will leave me feeling enough. It has to do with feeling pleasure and peace and really questioning where that comes from. So I hope that this conversation today makes you feel more beautiful. Please share this episode with a friend. I have never met a woman that did not have this on her heart. And I think sharing this with the women in your life and then engaging in the conversation will really allow you all to feel more beautiful yourselves and to encourage beauty in the women around you. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately is prioritizing my text messages over my Instagram DMs and digging out of my text messages. <laughs> Basically, I had this aha, and I might have shared this on another podcast episode recently in passing. I had this aha where I realized I prioritize my DMs over my text messages. Now, for me, if you're an entrepreneur, this may be different than if you were a non-entrepreneur. Because as an entrepreneur, my DMs, in my case, are where hundreds of thousands of people are in conversation with me. And therefore, it's a very different group of people that are in my text messages. But I think that even if you are not an entrepreneur, you are not using social media for work, this can be a powerful practice to say, where are my richest connections happening that are with the people that I really am yearning for deeper relationship with? Maybe for you, that is in DMs. Maybe your girlfriends, that's where you guys chat back and forth and you share things and it feels so fun and rich. And over on text message, maybe that's also a lot of work stuff and all of that. Maybe DMs is your place. Maybe on email is where your kind of addiction is to say, I want to get to inbox zero. I just want to check a few more off. I'm constantly refreshing. There's a gamified feel to this. I have FOMO. I'm afraid I'm going to miss out on something. I wonder if work's going to pay me. So if I have five minutes in line, am I going to go to my texts that are my personal friends? Or am I going to go to email, which might be newsletters, it might be work, it might be in any you know, manner of things. So I think it's really just saying, what are my different spaces where I'm in relationship with people? And which of those spaces actually has the core of people that I value the most? You know, in the Elegant Excellence Goals Journal, I have a section for each month that is that says who I'm called to. And it's really a reminder throughout the month to say, I don't want to, I, I can't maintain friendships with 50 people. That, that are deep. I need to limit in my circle and say, here's the three, seven, 12 people that I really feel called to. And I don't want to go through the month saying, I just never like hear from my friends and they never reach out to me. And I wish we talked more unless I have a place to say, am I reaching out to them? Am I really asking good questions? Am I working to make plans with them? Or am I having this story that I don't have enough connection in my life? And actually, it's right there. And I think that this is the next level of it is saying, 
which place, which space do I need to check my voicemails more often because I want to connect with my older family members who leave me voicemails, but I never think to check my voicemails. So it's not about the specific place, but my encouragement for you today would be which space do I spend the most time on that isn't giving me the most depth in my core relationships and which place do I not spend, do I not prioritize my time first where there is that richness? Because what I realized is that by giving into the gamification of Instagram, the addiction to another app, et cetera, and prioritizing that first, I would then get so behind on my text messages that now I'm like, oh, I haven't responded to that friend in months. I feel so guilty. I feel so bad. I don't want to have to write to respond to that because I've got to overcome all that guilt and feeling badness. So I'll just go do something that makes me feel good instead, like check off 10 quick little messages over in DMs. And so literally one day I sat down and was like, okay, for the next three hours, I am just going through my texts. Guys, I texted back people that had texted me like 16 months ago, where I was just like, so sorry that I did not have time to have coffee when you were in town, like past employee. I had like two past employees that reached out when they were in town to get coffee. It was just like busy seasons where I was like, I I don't have coffee with my best friends right now. I just, I don't have this spaciousness in my life, which, you know, is unfortunate, but was true. But I felt bad saying that. I felt guilty saying that. So I just never said it. So then I, you're like, okay, I'll, I'll do it tonight. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tonight. I'll do it tomorrow. And then a year and a half goes by and you're like, yeah, I never replied. That just like seemed rude. So find that time for yourself to say, I'm going to dig out in this area and I want to prioritize these people. And even within that space, I'm also clear who my, who my people are. Use your Elegant Excellence Goals Journal. If you have that, we have a limited amount on sale with our um, summer collection that you can uh, get one of, of those. I will put that link um, below as well. But if you, if you have that, utilize that section to say, I also don't want to let my text messages or any area all feel like equal access. A ton of people might have your phone number or your email address or your Instagram handle, but that doesn't mean that every message that comes in there is equal. So how can I also separate out that mindset and say, I do want to better prioritize my texts, but I furthermore want to look for who are the people I've put on my who I'm called to list. I want to prioritize them before I go send an email, before I go send a DM, before I get back to this other smaller text that isn't in my core of people. That is really bringing me joy. I reached out to some girlfriends that I had lost touch with that I really hadn't spoken to that much in the last few months. And it has been so beautiful the past few weeks. It just so happened that many of us were going through things that we were really able to be there for one another. And it made me so grateful that I had slowed down, set aside that time, reconnected, and really seen the benefits of how beautiful those friendships can be when we truly prioritize them and get out of our own head. So I would love to hear your thoughts on today's episode. Please swipe up, leave a review, share on Instagram stories, and tag me so that I can see it. Come let me know your favorite takeaways. And as always, uh, submit or DM me questions for future episodes, just like Holly did, so that you can be part of the conversation here. We'll see you next week with Grace and Gumption. Till next Wednesday.